Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn. Excuse me, Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6:40 Pacific time, 7:40 Mountain time, 8:40 Central time, and 9:40 Eastern time. Thrilled to have you along with us, especially since we're in the beginning of a new week in the new year and. <coughs> I'm not sure where that cough came from. So, these calls are recorded on and archived on SoundCloud, or if you get your podcast through a different service, if you put in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and either TR90 or Solutions, the digit for anti-aging, they will pop up their archive back more than 11 years at this point. If you're listening to this as a podcast and you want to catch us live, if you dial in to 712-775-8972, and when it prompts for the code, put in 910022. We would be thrilled to have you along with us. For those of you that do not know who I am, I'm Susan Nan out of Portland, Oregon, welcoming you to the call. That TR90 program, when you're first starting out, is that really good, clean, lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. Taking your supplements 15 to 20 minutes before a meal, if it's at all possible. If it's not, just take them with your meal. It'll still work. It's just not quite as super efficient as it would have been if you could take it 15 to 20 minutes before your meal. Drink, uh, drinking plenty of water or fluid to stay hydrated, and the current thinking is that you should have one ounce of fluid for every two pounds that you weigh. Since you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking about 50 ounces of water or thereabouts. If you're working out heavily or you're in a humid area, you'll need to increase that to offset what you're losing in body moisture. Water is your best top choice, but there are several other choices, but they have some trade-offs that come along with them when you started getting into fruit juices and um, tea and coffee and some of that, whether it's caffeine or um, calories. So do keep that in mind. You should be getting seven-plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. They will give you macronutrients, micronutrients, and fiber. Uh, Guys should be getting about 45 grams of fiber for good digestive health. Ladies, we need about 32 grams of fiber daily for the same reason. It keeps us good and healthy, keeps things moving through our system, keeps our whole digestive system in really good shape. Seven to nine hours of good quality sleep a night. That Your body does what I like to call a whole bunch of system resets while you're sleeping, and it stores memory, both muscle memory and physical, you know, memories from your day. But it also um, clears out toxins, several other things. And so it's really crucial to get really good sleep. If you're not able to get good sleep, um, there's several things you can do that will help with that. I'm not going to jump into those, any of those today, per se. But... Um, just know that good sleep actually helps set you up for the next day and making good decisions. So with that being said, 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week, 30 minutes 
on those five days. Um, it's also a key part of this TR90 program, and it really is a lifestyle change because once you get it started, you'll find that you feel better and you really don't want to stop it. With that being said, I am sharing some information out of a book that's called Fat Chance, Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Foods, Obesity, and Disease. And I left off talking about the difference between fat and sick, and we were going to jump into why the scales lie even more than you do. So not all pounds are created equal. And by the way, this was written by Robert H. Lustig, MD, MSL. Um, and he really goes into the science behind some of this stuff. So if it gets a little dry, I apologize for that. But it really does explain why um, our scientists have developed the TR90 program. Not all pounds are created equal. The scales lie. You are right all along at least in terms of your health and lifespan. In fact, the majority of Americans now have a BMI over 25, which puts them in the overweight category. Studies show that on average, people with a BMI of 25 to 30 have the longest lifespan. So being overweight is good? Yes. All you Kate Moss wannabes, provided that the weight is all in the right place, if you ever wish that all the fat on your body would somehow miraculously disappear, that some talented plastic surgeon could painlessly remove every cubic centimeter of unwanted adipose for free and with no lasting scars or cellulite, come on, admit it. It's a re reoccurrent dream of virtually everyone on the planet, even men. Think again, it would be life, what would life be like without any fat? Pretty damn miserable and short to boot. Indeed, some unfortunate souls get to experience this firsthand. It's called lipodystrophy, and it is one of the worst diseases known to mankind. It can be genetic or acquired as a complication of AIDS therapy. With it, you look weird. God, and if you're circling the grave, which you are, when your body wants to store energy, there's no place for it to go. So it goes to the only places it can, your liver, muscles, and blood vessels. The organs of people with lipodystrophy get filled with fat and they develop diabetes, hypertension, otherwise known as blood high blood pressure, and heart disease. Bottom line, you need your fat. At least you need your subcutaneous or big butt fat, which provides a bucket for extra storage to keep you alive and healthy. With rare exceptions, your subcutaneous fat contributes very little to the development of chronic disease. 20% of morbid, morbidly obese adults have completely normal metabolic status no evidence of disease, and normal longevity. In fact, the smaller your subcutaneous fat compartment, the faster you die. When it comes right down to it, it's all about your middle. This whole obesity, health, longevity question centers around your abdominal, visceral, or big belly fat, at least statistically. 
All of this hoopla about one body compartment, which constitute constitutes only four to six percent of your total body weight, but it translates into the difference of about fifteen years of life. Here, size really does matter. It doesn't mean dying in your fifties of a heart attack or cancer versus living into your eighties or longer. Visceral fat deposits are more metabolically active than subcutaneous fat deposits. They drive inflation. Visceral fat causes insulin resistance, which in turn promotes the diabetes, cancer, cardiovascular disease, dementia, and aging. While the population is more worried about subcutaneous fat, which, because it's unsightly, this this fat is much less prone to being lost. In fact, it's rarely shed unless you go on some caloric restriction or starvation diet, which is rarely sustainable. It's the visceral fat that doctors care about because it's the visceral fat that kills you. When you lose weight on any diet, it's the visceral fat that is lost first. It's there for easy access for energy, so it's the first to go. And that's good, but your body defends its subcutaneous fat because that's the fat that makes leptin and your body and your brain think it's good for you. And it's even more specific than that. Your visceral fat is really just a proxy for your ectopic or intra-organ fat, the fat in your liver and muscles. This is the real killer, but it is too hard to measure without very specialized imaging techniques such as MRI or a liver ultrasound. Chronic metabolic disease starts when fat deposits itself in organs such as muscles, and especially the liver. This fact is borne out in a recent study comparing BMI to percentage body fat by x-ray methods. It appears that as many as 50% of women and 20% of men who are categorized as normal on the basis of their BMI are actually obese based on their carriage of visceral or bad fat. The study's author, Dr. Eric Braverman, called BMI the baloney mass index because it gives a false sense of security to those who follow it. Indeed, Dr. Jimmy Bell of London, using MRI scans of the abdominal abdomen, realized that the body size is irrelevant. It's a visceral fat that drives disease. He coined the expression Thin on the outside, fat on thin on the outside, fat on the inside, or topi. Bottom line is your visceral fat is particular, particular your liver fat that counts. And how do you measure that visual, visceral fat? Well, standing on a scale is great for determining your wrestling weight class, but it's woefully inadequate for just about any other purpose. It is particularly useless for discerning how healthy you are and whether you are at risk for metabolic disease and or death. BMI is problematic because as a measurement, it can't distinguish between the four body compartments of bone, muscle, subcutaneous fat, and visceral fat. Doctors use BMI anyway because 
it works at a population level, but not necessarily for their individual patients. The reason is that it, that the reason is that excluding African Americans like Dr. Benjamin, who get five extra BMI points for free, and the 20% of obese subjects who are metabolically normal, if your BMI is over 30, you're likely to have significant visceral fat component and some level of metabolic dysfunction. Still, we need a better measurement than BMI, where your body fat is located and how much and what it means. The simplest and cheapest surrogate for depending for determining your health status is your weight circumference, which correlates with morbid, morbidity and risk for death better than any other health parameter. This is arguably the most important piece of information in your entire health profile because it tells you about your visceral fat. A high waist circumference translates to the big apple shape that tips physicians off to risk to the risk of diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and cancer. But physicians are loath to measure this in the office because you need a metal tape measure, and the measurement is subject to error. Different people do it differently, and the two sanctioned methods use completely different body landmarks. It takes time and effort, and it means getting up close and personal with the patient. Furthermore, the doctor often doesn't know what to do with the results except to say, you really should eat less and exercise more. A reasonably proxy is belt size. Greater than 40 inches for male and 35 inches for female is a likely indicator of visceral fat, which is correlated with insulin resistance and the risk of metabolic disease in adults and in children. But you can imagine that people who wear their pants way below their beer belly might get the measurement wrong. As long as you have someone to help you, you might also try to measure your hip circumference. A waist-to-hip ratio of greater than 0.85 in women or 1.0 in men is another warning sign of insulin resistance versus a waist-to-hip ratio of 0.8 or less, which suggests metabolic normalcy. Waist circumference is more complicated to measure and determine in children because it's dependent on sex, age, and race. While standards have been published, none of the childhood obesity guidelines from any of the medical societies currently advocate using the waist circumference as a screen for metabolic disease. Another simple method for determining your metabolic status is to look at the back of your neck, arms, and knuckles. What you're looking for is acanthosis, nigricans, or darkening, thickening, and ridging of skin. Many people think that this is dirt or or in the case of the neck, a ring around the collar, but it's actually excess insulin working on the skin, the, the epidermal growth factor receptor to be exact. You might also see skin tags in these areas. Both of these are visible signs of insulin resistance and protect, 
future risk for chronic metabolic disease. Every other method to find out your metabolic risk is expensive and requires blood drying, specialized equipment, and professional data analysis. So tomorrow, we'll probably, since I ran a little bit over, we'll be getting into weight loss is the wrong approach and the wrong outcome. And hopefully, we'll start clearing some of this up. This is Susan Mann from Portland, Oregon on January 9th. 2023 signing out at the top of the hour. If you scoot over to Facebook One Team Global Live, one of our leaders will be sharing some information about how to build a new skin business. With that, I'm going to take us off mute for any questions, comments, or thoughts you may have, and I hope you have a great day. There we have it, my friends. Thank the you. Scales <laughs> no scales, they don't give us the full picture. <laughs> well, at least we, did. we get we know when we're going up and down, that's for sure. Well, and you know, a lot of that you can tell just by the fit of your clothes too, because that makes right. you know, if you're you're losing and you're gaining muscle mass, it's gonna be more compact so the clothes are gonna hang on you, which is what happened to me when I first started with the TR90 program all those years ago because I didn't lose a single ounce, but I lost about four dress sizes, and I lost 20 inches so over my whole body. So that doing those body measurements, upper arm, thigh, waist, hips, you know, those are all really important as well as taking those photos so you really get a good visual. So... That and using skills like the Omron actually gives you a clear picture of what your muscle mass is to fat as well. So that actually helps. Well, if there's no other thoughts or comments, I'm going to let everybody go. Wish you a great day, and we'll see you back here tomorrow, hopefully. Have a great day. I get to go out and walk Jasper Doggy today. You know and he's got his little ears all perked up at me because he's going, oh, we get to go outside? Yay. <laughs> Have a great day, everybody. You too. See you tomorrow. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs>